0: This is One on One's NHL podcast where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go 5 on 3. We're back joined by Jack Caldwell. I'm Chris Hennessy. We got a, a lot to get to Jack including your Rangers getting off that Schneid you ranted about so so much last week.
1: Yeah, we 5, on two, today, five Chris. on 2 today. 5 on 2 again. Um but yeah, uh, I think David Quinn seems to be getting it together a little bit. And we were probably, I listened back to the podcast after, probably a little harsh. I, it, Jackson is definitely more of a strong uh, Quinn opponent than I am. Yes. Last year, I was pretty much in support of Quinn. I liked him, and Jackson didn't. So uh, I was I was a little more unsure. I didn't like the excessive movement he was going with the lines. But it seems like he's figuring it out. He's been juggling it around. And you see they, they lay a total egg against Boston, mm-hmm. where they were just overmatched, overpowered, could not match up with the physicality, and then Quinn calls them out, says we need to be more physical, we need to get more pucks on net, and then what do they do last night when they beat the Lightning? They get a lot of pucks on net, a lot of really high quality chances, and they played by far their most physical game of the season, so... It's really good all around. I think it's going to be a problem for the Rangers moving forward that they're going to have to look into is the physicality. It's what I said before the season started was my one problem with the way the rebuild is going is none of the guys they have coming up are physical players. Even the guys like a Lemieux or even a Kreider, they're more pests. They don't have a Chara or a Jay Bowmeister or someone like that uh, who can be big and strong and physical. They just don't. They have a lot of pests and a lot of guys who can be annoying, but I think you need to find who your physical hulk is going to be to come in.
0: Yeah, that'll be interesting. They, they're they going to, you know, the Rangers, obviously the goal is to play in the playoffs, and hockey's a physical game, especially when you get into April, so that's going to be something they're going to need. But something that caught my eye last night was, first off, Adam Fox scores his first career on NHL goal. He's a guy yeah, who— He's been the best. He's been the best on the team. Yeah, he was really good at Harvard. He comes to the Rangers as an unsigned— um as a um excuse me, a college free agent, there's the words. Um and he scores his first career goal last night. He's looked really good and I feel like he's flying under the radar a little bit. I feel like we haven't talked about him as much as maybe we should. Um but him and Truba have made have been both very good on the blue line. And Hegel looked really good last night as well, I thought. Yes, he, and
1: you could argue that was his best game as a Ranger and it, I think that goes to show we were screaming about Quinn Putting Heedle down in the line, uh, down in Hartford, and then he comes back and he plays like that. It makes you realize, okay, maybe maybe they are getting seeing some things that we weren't. Maybe they're doing some things. That's why they're the he's the coach of the Rangers. I don't think you know. Uh, I think Jackson was more definitely against him. He was looking more as if he didn't know how to coach when he said, "Right, <laughs> Vino it, is a good coach and Quinn isn't." I don't necessarily think that's the case. I just didn't understand where he was coming from and his lineup changes and these moves. And now I'm starting to put the pieces together.
0: And we we downplayed the Kraftsov to Russia rumors heavily on this podcast. They ended up getting confirmed he's going.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, the th- every New York reporter said that they heard nothing about it. It was totally fake. And then two weeks later, they're like, oh, wait, it's happening <laughs> Sorry. Right, so Vitalik Kravtsov is now in the KHL. Um, but Heedle's on the team, which
0: is, which you really like to see, and especially a team who needs to get some offensive production going. They score four goals
1: against a good Tampa Bay team last night, and Vasilevsky wasn't bad at all. He he was great in that game. It was 1-1 one, one with six minutes to go in the third. It could have easily been like yeah, four, a 4-1 four, game four, four at one's, that point. 4-1's a little bit misleading, I feel like. Yeah, because they got two really high-quality goals at the very end of the third when Vasilevsky was just beaten down and then an empty netter. But it was 1-1 one, one with six minutes to go, and he made like... Five incredibly impressive saves throughout the game. That he's, could have gotten out of hand so much earlier. He's one of the best goalies in the league. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. But it's it was exactly what you wanted to see for the Rangers because they've been getting outshot horrendously all year and they've been playing horrifically in their own end all season. And then they tremendously outshoot Tampa and they play a really good two-way game the only goal they let up was just a dumb line change where all five guys are out on the ice for like two and a half minutes and they all went to change at once which I don't even know how that happens or <laughs> yeah. I don't know who to point to on that one but the fact that they won and that was the only goal they gave up you can just scratch that one off the docket but it was it was exactly what you wanted to see from the Rangers again. I don't think they can af- play that physical every night. You can't depend on a Kreider or a Lemieux or a Jesper Foss just with their size to play with that physical intensity without getting worn down or, or even injured. So I think you need to look at a guy who can be that grinder not a Brendan Smith, but who right. can you get? Who's a young, big, physical guy who can be part of this team for a while because that's something that this core doesn't have. So now the Rangers are 2-1 since uh, in
0: the last week. They lost to the Bruins, they beat Buffalo, and they beat Tampa Bay, as we mentioned. They're on the road to play Nashville on Saturday. That's a tough game. But then after that, you have Ottawa and Detroit, both at the Garden. So this is a time for the Rangers to get to a couple of get-well games before they play a whole bunch of Eastern Conference teams in a row into some important games that they, they want to be in this wild-card race.
1: And you get outmatched by Boston, but I think it's very clear that this team... Plays hard. They have heart. They play well together because they smacked around Tampa and Buffalo yeah. for the most. They everybody's were, playing They game. were much, much better, they looked, than Tampa and Buffalo, who are, on paper, much better teams than the Rangers. So. And everybody's
0: getting smacked around by Boston right now. Yeah, they're,
1: and that's fair, too. Boston's the best team in
0: hockey right they're, now. They're so. 9-1-2. Pasternak has 12 goals. Tukarazzi's leading the league in save percentage, so they look really good uh, after the Eastern Conference uh championship last year. And I want to talk about Tampa Bay a little bit and then we'll move on to the Islanders and the Devils. Five four and two through eleven games, only twelve points. They haven't necessarily looked bad, as you mentioned. They they played a fine game yesterday and they've been leaning on Vasilevsky a lot. They've only scored they've only scored excuse me. They've scored thirty five goals in the eleven games, but they've given up thirty six. Not the recipe for success you want. You and after losing those four games to Columbus in the playoffs, John Cooper has to be coming into question eventually, but he just got a contract extension, so
1: yeah, I felt. I felt. We said this last year uh, when he won the Jack Adams. It's like almost anyone could have won a Jack Adams <laughs> with that with that roster. Well, no, Trotz won the Jack Adams. Yes. Oh, you're cr- when we were talking right. about. You're correct. Who, who, no, who I could win the up, Jack Adams? Yes. But when we were talking about who could win the Jack Adams, that was the argument we were saying. Well, anyone could win the Jack Adams with that sort of roster. So uh, there's nothing about him as a coach that's ever jumped out at me as being, you know, a genius. The way that right. when you see what Barry Trotz has done with the Islanders. He shows some real feeling and intangible skills with this team uh, that you just don't see, I, I don't see, with John Cooper and the Lightning. Yeah, it, it,
0: it was interesting to kind of buy all into him towards the end of last year. And I don't, I'm don't. i not saying they're going to fire him tomorrow. That, that's not what I'm saying. I, I think they're going to ride with him through the season at least because th- this is their cup window. Yeah. We're, we're, we're living in it right now. Yeah. you are not going to change coaches during that. But uh, I think it's something you have to question at this point.
1: Yeah, when you look at a guy like a Trotz or even a Mike Sullivan, like when he came in, the yep. things that they can do and bring to the team that elevates it, that they have that hockey sense, and I've never seen that really from John Cooper. So
0: we'll see uh, what happens with Tampa Bay. Let's move on to the Islanders. They have won seven straight games. They're 8-3. and three. They're the hottest team in hockey. They're currently in third place in the Metropolitan Division, 16 points, Um not only have they won seven straight games, Jack, they look very good doing it and they're not beating necessarily terrible teams. They're not beating great teams.
1: Well, Matt Barzal is blooming into the superstar that we all thought he should have been, and I think that was the piece that the Islanders were missing last year that we talked about. Yeah,
0: I mean he's been
1: outstanding.
0: He scored another goal against Philadelphia. He's had a bunch of assists. He's I mean, we all knew he was the best player on the team. He is playing like far and away the best player on this team the last especially the last seven games.
1: Yeah, I think when you look at the Islanders, we were saying that a lot had to go their way for this year to be similar to last year, but the piece they were missing was the superstar. So you have – everything seems to be going their way right now in terms of the lines, the way that they're playing – Shifts 1-4, to four, pairings 1-3. to three. Everyone is chipping in. Everybody's doing their part. But what's putting them over the hump right now is the fact that Barzal is playing like one of the better players in hockey. And I want to talk about a guy who isn't Matt Barzal. Derek Broussard
0: has scored three goals yeah. in his last three games ever since they moved him to the wing. And, I mean, I was very loud against the Derek Brassard signing. I didn't think that was the answer at the third center. And clearly it wasn't the answer at the second left wing spot because... Him and Brock Nelson and Anthony Bovilia have been outstanding in the last three games.
1: Yeah, and he was a guy who pretty much his career died after he left the Rangers. He was a, a pretty much a top center. He was the kind of guy who was... It was almost like with the Rangers, the joke was he's too good to be a second-line center but not good enough to be your top center. Mm -hmm. We called him center 1A. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I think almost almost any team in the National Hockey League in, what, 2015, he would have been a number one center. And then once he went to Ottawa, his career just went off a cliff. But he still has the pieces. He's not— Old. I assumed he was, like, 37. And then when I saw him in the locker room after the Islander game, I was like, wait, how old is Derek? He can't be 37, like, now that I think of it. And then you look him up, and then what is he, like, 32? Yeah, he's not 37, but I don't, I, he's not 27 either. No, but uh, yeah, he's 32. I, in the back of my head, the way that his career took a nosedive, right. I was thinking of him as being a guy who would have been in his late 30s. It feels like a lot
0: longer ago, the 2015, than he was on the Rangers. Oh, yeah. I know I know it was 2015, so but it feels ago. like a lot longer than that.
1: It feels like way more than four years ago, but uh, he he was he's so good with the puck. He's got such skill. He, can, he has a great shot. He's a playmaker. In a lot of ways, he's what you want as a center, but I think – that was too much of a burden on him mm-hmm. uh, with the Islanders. So having someone else set him up and work with him, and it's I think Brock, it's a Brock Nelson situation. who's having a great season yep. so far.
0: Brock Nelson's having another great season, and I, I think he's worth every penny they paid him uh, over the off season. Brock Nelson. Um, another piece of Islanders news: They call up Otto Koivula today from Bridgeport. Uh, Matt Martin and Tom Kunackle are both out four to six weeks um, with various injuries. So Otto Koivula is coming up. So now. On the team, you have Otto Kovala, Oliver Wallström, Noah Dobson, and Cole Bardrow, who was in Bridgeport as well. But he's a little bit on the fence. Pretty much every big, big-time
1: prospect who was in Bridgeport, besides Kiefer Bellows, is on this team right now, and I love it. They just have to be able to play. Oh yeah, uh, you know the big—that's a big problem with Dobson, and that's not really the Islanders' fault because he can not can't he play can't in, play in HL, Bridgeport. Right. But it's you—it's a really hard balance to have because this is not a rebuild year. Um, no. These are almost pieces from like a delayed rebuild that you built towards from three years ago or mm-hmm. two years ago that you would have rather had on the team then. I don't think the Islanders thought they were going to be necessarily this good now. And none of these are lose guys, right? None of the uh No, Wallstrom and Dobson both Wallster. are. That's correct. So they've come up faster. But the, yep. all the rest of the young core of the team, I, I don't think, first of all, it was built by the prior regime who didn't really know what they were doing. but Fair enough. Uh, it's like puzzle pieces that don't fully fit right now because it's a win-now season, but you also can't stunt the development of your young guys. So uh, the I, injuries... I would lean towards them playing Yeah, uh, absolutely. More, but...
0: the, the injuries are hurting them, no doubt. I mean, not having Jordan Eberle in the lineup is not going to help you win games. Yeah. Not they've won every game since it's been out. But not having Jordan Eberle in the lineup is not going to help you win games. But it's helping these guys get reps at the NHL level, which is what you want. And we talked about it at length at the Rangers last week that... These guys are only going to get better if they play in the NHL. And Walsham has been good. Dobson's been good when he's played. There's no reason to think Coivola won't be. Barjo was totally off the radar when he came up. He's been decent as well. Ross Johnson's scoring goals. So they're four lines deep no matter who the 12 forwards they put out there are right now. And you might as well just roll some new guys in there because, look, maybe you'll you'll strike gold here. It's possible, just like they did with Hosang. Two, 3 years ago whatever that was <laughs>
1: yeah that that ended up not that ended up not, not working out but when old, they, is right no no but when he when they put him on Tavares's wing they won like 9 no, out yeah, of 10 games whatever it was and so if you can give these young guys the opportunity to play in situations where they're playing with skilled veterans it's like the same thing that that Ranger fans say with Leah Anderson don't put him on the fourth line with Greg McHag if you if he had the opportunity to play with a Panarin or someone of that level you know, think about how much he would bloom. It's the same thing with any young guy in the Islanders. If they're playing NHL minutes that that are valuable in critical game situations, that's the best way to develop.
0: Yeah, the best game Wallstrom played was when he was on the other wing
1: for Bailey. I think at least. From from what I've seen. That, that was was, the... was that his first game?
0: His first or his second game, yeah. Yeah. Maybe both his first and his second game. He was on the other wing from Bailey. I think those are the best two games he played. Yep. Okay, um, moving on to the Devils. They've only played one game since we were last year. They lost to Arizona. Uh, But some big news about tonight's game. It looks like Nikita Gusev might get scratched. He's been their best player this season. Uh, An interesting choice. Um... For a team that can't really score goals with the best of them that needs every goal they can get, sitting a guy who puts the puck in the net against the best team in hockey or the best team on hockey on paper, Tampa Bay, seems counterintuitive.
1: It's it's interesting because he's looked really good in the offensive end. He's been statistically one of their best offensive players, but again, has not been playing the two way game. Uh defensively has looked Pretty bad. He's actually been, I think, one of met, like in terms of advanced metrics and Corsi, one of the worst uh, defensive forwards in hockey. So I get that you want to have him step back, but to me, it looks like they're babying him a little bit. The way that they put it is that they're going to have him sit in a, a a suite with Patrick Eliash and have Elyash sort of explain to him the 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 two way game and sort of map out the North American game. The guy's 27, 27 years, years old. Years he's longer. not he's not a 19 he's not Vitali Kraftsov he's exactly. 19 years old. Exactly. He's 27 he he knows how to play hockey. He knows the North American game. Uh and when I see guys like like with the Rangers, Kapo Kako, that seems like he's having some trouble adjusting to the North American style, but he's playing and he's getting used to it and that's Score how you do it. Night. Exactly. He looked a lot better last night. He played the best game of his career so far. And I the devils are in more of a win now mode than the rangers they're not rebuilding so they want to win now but by babying the guy it 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 feels condescending uh you know i had a couple of teachers like in middle (laughs) school and high school where maybe i i wasn't the best student i would bomb a test i knew the stuff i just didn't show up prepared and then they would baby me as if i wasn't smart i mean it happens to everyone if you if you, you forget to study one night you bomb a test you know, you know the material. You know you can grasp it. It just slipped through your fingers, and they start babying you, like you're not smart or you don't know or this or that. That's what this looks like to me, and that's that. That was always the worst feeling in the world to me and sure. to any student. And right now, he's a student essentially, but he's for the 27, years, and old. The he's 27 years old. That's the point. He's 27 years old. That's the thing. He to me. knows it. He knows what he's doing. You, you don't mentioned baby this. him.
0: You mentioned it. and I think you're right. He's 27 years old. Like you, I. I, I don't want to question John Hines necessarily. We did it last week, so I guess I'll just do it again. If you had a coach who could tell him how to do it in practice, you had five days off between games. So why do you need to bench him for the game against Tampa Bay? The last time he played was Thursday against Arizona. So I don't understand. There's a big period for here for you to get on the ice and practice with your talented guy who you just signed, yeah, to teach him the 200-feet wa- game. And- why do you need to have him watch the game? Look, I'm not Why don't demeaning- you go to an
1: Islander game or a Ranger sure, game? Sure, go and to an Islander there. game. Why do you go need to the watch- garden. Why do you need to sure. sit in the box and watch your own team play? I it does not make.
0: Mean- and I'm not demeaning Patrick Elias at all. He's a great. He was a great player oh, yeah. for the Devils. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying he can't teach. I'm not even saying he can't teach this guy anything. I'm sure he can. But not during a game where you need to win every game, especially the way you started. And especially against teams that are in the Eastern Conference, too.
1: Yeah, he's been a weakness on the defensive end, but I think he's been enough of a plus offensively where he's not hurting the team to be in. Not at this point. There's there's worse players on the Devils than Nikita Gusev right now. It doesn't really make sense to have him sit in the press box and watch a Devils game. You could just go across the river, watch the Rangers last or, night. Or just watch tape. Just watch film. Yeah, like, uh, just... what, what, watch film of a past Devils game. What could you have done better here or there? Why do you need to sacrifice a learning opportunity? Now, it's also possible they've tried all of these things and none of them have worked, too. That's possible. We're we're also, again, goes back to the Rangers. Three weeks into the season, and the Devils, as the Islanders and Rangers went through, have had significant gaps between games, too, which can't help. But those gaps should be used as time to learn and develop.
0: Yeah, that should only help a team like New Jersey at this point. Like, sure, it was going to hurt the Rangers and the Islanders because they had won a couple games in a row before that stretch, but the Devils have been struggling to get off the ground. They've been struggling to to really put anything together. Yep. So use the time you have as a team 5 days off between two home games and get better. Don't don't sit a guy. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yep. All right, let's move on. Uh Roman Yossi signs a big contract, 8 years, 9 million dollars. Uh, he's going to be on the old, on well on the other side of 30 by the end of it, but that's not really what they're concerned about. They're concerned about right now getting their captain and their best defenseman signed. Personally, in terms of NHL deals, I don't hate it. Um, I was a
1: little surprised.
0: I was surprised. Sure. I think it was
1: a little it was a little too much money. He's your own homegrown guy, yes. though. But so however I,
0: I don't I'm not saying that he's Eric Carlson, but Eric Carlson got paid so much more. Like with the way the market goes, I don't hate it. But I hate the market.
1: Well he's the third highest paid defenseman yeah. in hockey. He's, is not, is he he's, the he's not the third best defenseman in hockey. No, uh, you know, I think what you always have to look, and it's the same thing with the Panarin and Truba deals, especially Truba, who was, I think, the fourth highest paid defenseman in hockey when he signed his contract. Which he's not the fourth best; well, he's defenseman, the fifth now. <laughs> but uh, now he's the fifth. But three years from now, the cap is probably going to be escalated. You have a new CBA. And uh, whenever up. the
0: CBA comes in, it will probably go. You up.
1: also have Seattle coming in, and when Vegas came into the league, the cap skyrocketed like four million dollars. So mm-hmm. these are all things that can make the cap continue to expand contracts that looked horrible four years ago don't necessarily seem as bad now and i think nine million dollars now uh as compared to four years from now when they're only in the middle of that deal could not look nearly as tight and there's could very well be seven or eight defensemen who are making more than that
0: right and i also think it's a little bit of um reactionary because they've lost both shea weber and pk Subban now mm-hmm. and this now now this is their guy so i i as a, from the Predators' perspective, I don't necessarily hate it, but I understand where you're coming from in terms of this is a lot of money and it's for a long time. But too. I, I
1: don't hate it for a homegrown guy. Again, yeah. I like when teams reward and keep their homegrown guys. He's going to be a Predator for life, and I think that's cool. And you can't hate it as much because you know what you're going to get out of him. This isn't a situation of signing, you know, a mercenary to come in and you don't where he could underproduce or this or that.
0: Yep. So he will be on the National Predators through the 20 2027 2028 season, excuse me, and he will be 37 years old when the contract expires. I don't oh. that that's old. 37 a is old. I man. watch
1: what Mark Stahl is going through right now and he still has another full year next year. He, the guy was a healthy scratch last night, which by the way was a good job by yeah, Quinn. Yeah, should
0: should be a lot more often.
1: But oh man, uh defenseman it, you sit, I mean, the Rangers had one of the best defensive cores in hockey. It's what they build that la- built that last team on, and they died so quickly because defensemen just age out so fast. 31-32, we see it on the Devils with Suban. The guys really just drop after age 31-32. So, yeah, 37, that's that's old. The yeah. last three, four years of that deal could be rough.
0: Who played instead of stall last night?
1: Uh, Ryan Lindgren, who came up from the oh, AHL. That's right. That's right. So, okay.
0: so he called, got called up with Heedle.
1: Yep, he got called up with Heedle, and then the Rangers could say, we were just trying to give the young guys more of a chance. And uh, Mark Stahl is pretty much David Quinn's favorite player, and Quinn (laughs) was not even really shy about that in the uh, press conference after the game. So it definitely, uh, he said, you know, give him some time off to clear his head to uh, rest a little bit that could help him. So I don't know. We'll see. But he... He looks like he looks uninspired to a point, but he's also been a warrior of a ranger for a long time. I think I think part of it is uninspired because pretty much from the second he signed that extension, he's never been the same guy. But you also have to attribute it to his body just being absolutely broken down.
0: All right, speaking of bodies breaking down, there's been a few big injuries in the NHL, so we're going to touch on that real quick. Um First, let's start in Colorado, where both Landeskog and Rantanen are going to be out for a little bit of time. Uh, they got off to a hot start, Colorado. Uh, they've regressed a little bit, and losing these two guys, we talked at length during the Western Conference preview episode about the lack of depth on the Colorado Avalanche. This is not going to be good for them if they're out for an extended period of time.
1: Yeah, because they, we talked about it at the beginning of the year. Could they be a top team in the West? Yes, because the West is wide open, but... That also works to your disadvantage because it means that there's going to be a lot of teams <laughs> right if, if you. Right, if
0: you lose three straight games, then you're way back, way yeah, further back. Yeah, it, because
1: it's not a case of, you know, two teams at the top and then the bottom kind of... There's there's a good nine to ten teams who are all going to be clawing right at each other. So you could fall out of the race real quick there. Yeah, and
0: you don't like to see a, a young guy like Rantan go down. And Landis too. Landis is out indefinitely. Ran is put on IR, so he should be back relatively soon. But Landeskog out indefinitely. That's not good. That's that's your center on your top line. That's your captain. That's a guy who. I mean, you, know, you just said it. They need to win these games in this, especially in the Central Division. This is not good for Colorado.
1: Yeah, and it's just see Landeskog. I'm checking now. Just indefinitely. Uh, and the other word that was used, significant time. So I. I don't know what that means. I think if he was out for the season, they would say it, but they right. usually don't in hockey ever. Yeah, say they're it they're always very vague. They, so. they just kind of they just kind of string it along. Um, they it's not like another sport where at this point they would say he's out for the year, but that that doesn't sound good. You don't want to find yourself as an eight seed or a seven seed, you know, in March and trying to claw back. No, you don't. So. Uh Ranton enlisted as officially week to week. He's missed the last two
0: games with a left leg le- left leg injury and Landeskog out indefinitely with what is called a significant lower body injury. So we'll see how that goes. Now one that has been given a specific timetable in the same division is Saint Louis who's Vladimir Tarasenko, who's going to be reevaluated in five months, with I believe it was a pectoral. Um
1: Yeah, that sounds really bad that too, sounds, because that that's sounds bad. reevaluated in five months. So we say, Well, he could come back in March, but what if the reevaluation is he needs another month? Exactly. and Then you're in the playoffs.
0: Yeah. So that so five months from right now is late March, which is the last week of the season, and now he's going to be reevaluated. If all goes well, oh, it was a shoulder injury. Excuse me. If all goes well, then he's back for the first game of the playoffs, and that's the first game. He, that's basically the first game yeah. he plays all season. Like that. That's a really big loss for St. Louis.
1: He's a skilled enough guy where I think he'll be able to pick pick it up. He has such raw talent and natural skill, but it's it's not what you want for the Blues because now you're going to be sliding him in. You're going to play a full season without him, building this chemistry in your lineup without him. And then all of a sudden you're going to just throw him back in there. And the most meaningful game of the season so and, far. And
0: that's if all goes well, not only with Tarasenko's shoulder surgery, yeah, I but look with the Blues as, in general.
1: I look at this as him probably being out for the year. I would
0: not be surprised if the next game he plays is October 2020. Yeah, I, yep.
1: I would actually almost expect it at this point. That's what I would think as well. Uh, a
0: shoulder surgery... On a hockey player is not uh, exactly code for I'll, I'll be back in a couple weeks. Yeah, because that that shoulder is gonna gonna catch a beating, especially with a, a smaller and faster guy like Tarasenko. He he gets knocked around out there, and um, he left the Blues' victory against the Kings last week with an upper body injury. Um, he tweaked his soldier he tweaked his shoulder on what seemed like an innocent play. So he'll be reevaluated in five months. Five
1: months from now is April, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's scary for Blues fans. And they've gotten off to a pretty good start this year, I think, overall. They laid a couple of eggs early, but I think, generally speaking, they have the pieces in place where they can feel confident about going on another run this year. But Tarasenko is one of, if not the most, I have a hard time saying definitively the most, but he's right up there with one of the most important pieces on this team. To oh, make I that think run he happen. is.
0: I think he's the second most important piece behind
1: Bennington. Yeah, I think
0: if they're going to go
1: back to the playoffs, Bennington, did, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, those are your three. Try
0: to go back and do what they did last year. He needs to be there. Yeah, and maybe his numbers weren't as great in the playoffs as O'Reilly's were, but that. But he the, still looked. But he looked fantastic. It was
1: kind of, it was the eye
0: test. Exactly. Where he looked great. So St. Louis has played twelve games. They have fifteen points, six, three, and three. Uh, they play against Minnesota tonight. Colorado, who we talked about earlier, has 17 points through 11 games. They're eight-two and one, so again a great start. But now they're missing two players. So now this Central Division looks a little bit more open for a team like Winnipeg, who sure they've gotten off to a rough start. They lose a, lo- a rough yeah, game. The rest last of the night. Western
1: Conference, respectively, is pretty happy uh, about this. You know, not obviously to see the guys go down, right. but in a sense where a team like Winnipeg. Or the wild Minnesota can look at this and say, "Wow, we we really have a chance now." It, it's really only
0: Winnipeg and Dallas to me
1: in the Central Division because
0: Minnesota is four and eight, and Chicago's three six and two. They're, Chicago. Yeah, I don't think Chicago is. Chicago's not next. a talented team. Minnesota is always a team that sure is talented, but they never seem to compete with St. Louis and Winnipeg and even Chicago when they were good in Colorado and Nashville because for some reason they just can't get it together. And yeah, I guess I
1: look at the stars as more of a surefire playoff team, whereas Minnesota and Winnipeg—I'm not really sure. I think no, Win- Winnipeg str- struggled sh- mightily. This yeah, year. so Winnipeg and Minnesota are those teams that I'm looking at more of on the fence, where now their opportunity is getting greater. Right, uh, Winnipeg gave
0: up seven goals to Anaheim last yeah, night. so yep. uh that's not what you want. Uh, so those are that's the injury report from from the Western Conference at least. Um, so leaves the Central Division wide open. So uh, that's all we got today. So for Jack Caldwell, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll see you next week.